Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the Bible Thumper podcast. My name is Patrick Hayes, and tonight is Sunday night, October 25th, and we have changed two things tonight. We changed the day of the week. We used to have our live video podcast every Friday night, and we also changed the time. So we used to be on at 8 p.m. Mountain Time, and now we are at 7 p.m. Mountain Time. So I'm expecting roughly nobody to show up and be here with us simply because we changed, I think, too many things. So I'm not sure how many folks we're going to have. Okay, and Caleb's on. We're going to bring him in in three, two, one. There he is. So I already apologize for changing both the day of the week and the time of the day. And I told everyone not to expect any guests on or anybody to comment or say hello. So tonight we are going to be talking about uh, Christians and politics. So we set this up to try to hit right before the November election, which is in a week. And I think the following week we're going to talk about Halloween because it's going to be just a few days after uh, October 31st. So we try to have these things, you know, we put the schedule together on purpose. So like I said, tonight, uh, thanks for joining us, everyone that's coming on. We're going to talk about Christians and politics. Next week, we're going to talk about Halloween. I'm sure my blood pressure will be higher than my doctor wants for both this week and the next week. And for all of you joining us on Facebook, be sure to catch us on Spotify or Google Play. You can download the podcast and listen to it and and, uh, share it around. We certainly ask that you would do that. And if you are listening to us on the podcast platform, uh, then please join us every Sunday night at 7 p.m. Mountain Time, 8 p.m. Central on our Facebook channel. And you can get to that. I believe it's hashtag Bible Thumper 1611. So you can find us easily. All right. So, Caleb, I don't know if you've shared it around enough or you're ready to start talking. I'm ready to keep going, but I don't want to get made fun of for another 10 minute monologue. That's all right. No one's missing anything. We'll be okay without you. So you're not live? No, you're not. Well, if you want, I can close it out and see if you can try to come back in. I can hear you loud and clear. So that I, that I already did. Yeah, it shows that you're here. You want me to? You want me to kill you and you can come back in? Okay, great. Removing you. All right, everybody. So as I said, uh, Christianity and politics. How does that work out? Is it okay for a Christian to vote? Uh, should Christians follow politics? Should Christians be a Republican or a Democrat? How does that all work? And we would certainly like to, we would certainly like to get some of your questions and comments because I know a lot of people have, are, are interested in the subject. So Caleb, it says you're live. Why don't you tell me, uh, what level of involvement should a Christian have in politics? on their, I don't know, local, county, state, or federal level. What do you think? I thought politics was like the greatest evil that a Christian could do because we're supposed to stay out of politics, right? You know, there are some folks that think that we should uh, stay out of politics. I am not one of them. I think if the Christians stay out of politics, then 
it's going to get bad pretty fast because we're leaving the 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 vote up to nothing but uh, uh, pagans, you know, uh, and non-believers. So I think Christians absolutely should be involved in politics and should definitely vote. Do you know? Do you personally know Christians that don't vote and stay away from politics across the board? Pretty much, I do not. I, I've heard that argument, but I've never met the person that says that they don't do it. I really haven't. Now you know a lot of weirdos. Have you met any of those people? <laughs> I certainly do have a lot of friends that would never publicly at least acknowledge that they would touch uh politics of the 10-foot pole they might secretly sure. vote but they don't tell anybody so i guess we should interrupt our regular programming here to, to tell donna brian couch i guess that's how you say it congratulations it looks like she got baptized today that's awesome oh wow uh, look she at just that. commented so good for you yeah thanks for joining Following us live Lord in believers baptism um so i was um i never voted for quite a few years and I do vote mm -hmm. now. Mm -hmm. um, I actually have, uh, at one point I had a short run for political office myself. Where Didn't was that? So well. For the city council in Rosebud, Texas. I put my name Didn't in the ballot. Off the ground? Um, I lost by, I think four, either three or four votes, if I remember right, out of like wow, 12. That was... Oh man, that was heartbreaking. Heartbreaking. So I put... I put my name on the ballot and then I never told anybody I was running, never did anything. I just put my name on and my opponent, I think that was, they was that. Okay. Quick question. Was that a suggestion from your campaign manager? <laughs> I didn't have one, but my, my opponent, they, mm -hmm. they, their strategist did really good. I think that they put up a, um, a, a note a yard on sign the, uh, on the bulletin <laughs> board and at the local Mexican restaurant. <laughs> Oh, hard. Actually, I decided partway along the line that I didn't really want to run. Mm -hmm. um, so anyways, I like a, uh, something that Mike, Mike Huckabee said recently, and that was um, Christians being involved with politics is like Christians staying out of issues in your house. If you don't wash your dishes, nobody else is going to come wash it for you. Pretty soon you'll have a stinky mess in your yep. in your house. And that's kind of what we have right now in in politics. Of course, um, I if if people feel like they can't be involved with politics, this is no attack against you. But if you look at across the map at what's happening in our country right now, we have we have people with no moral compass voting to run the country. And I think I read there's over 15 million Christians that are not registered to vote. So can you be a Christian and have a be of a kingdom that's not of this world and still be involved in politics? And I think for me, I think the answer to that is yes, that you certainly can. There has to be separation between church and state. Mm -hmm. um, the church as a whole can stay out of politics, but Christians, I think we do have a civic duty to, uh, to vote. I mean, God ordained government. I don't think that it's, there's any reason why Christians have to stay out of something that God ordained. That's my opinion. Yeah. On it, but. <clears throat> yeah. God's the one that invented it and told us we were going to be running it. You'd think we'd be doing that. So, yeah, Caleb, I'll tell you this. I am going to stop voting the day the Lord returns. That is my goal. I'm going to I'm going to hang up my spurs. OK, I'm done with it. So although we are. 
part of the kingdom that's not of this world. That kingdom hasn't started yet. If you want to give me some latitude and say that. So the Lord is coming back and the Lord is going to sit on a throne. And we read about that in many, many places. Uh, the Lord was actually promised that he would sit on the throne of David. And that happened in Luke chapter one, when uh, Gabriel uh, came and spoke to Mary. Uh, one of the promises was that you're not only going to have a son, but he's going to sit on a throne one day. And it was interesting because at the time of Christ, there wasn't a throne. There was no throne of David. There hadn't been one for, oh, if I want to do the math, let's see. There hadn't, there hadn't been one for, I'm going to say about 500 years without really crunching the numbers. So the, the throne of David was destroyed during the Babylonian captivity, and it had not been rebuilt since that time. So <clears throat> we know that the Lord is coming back. He said that he was going to, he is going to sit on a little a literal throne. That time um, period is called the millennial reign. And that is why I am a monarchist. People sometimes will ask, are you a Republican or a Democrat? Neither. I'm a monarchist. I am a believer in and a supporter of a king. But I am not looking for one king on a list of a dozen that would do. I am looking for one king on a list of one. And I'm just waiting for that king to come on back and set up his throne. In the meantime, I have to make do with what I got. And what I've got is a political system in the United States that more often than not makes me sick to my stomach. And I do the best that I can. And I vote for the people that I believe are going to protect the freedoms that we have in this country as long as we can so that we lose them as slowly as possible as America slowly spirals the drain and ends up going into oblivion and disappears. Hey, Christy, glad to have you on. <laughs> kind of a depressing subject until Caleb jumps back in here. Did that help? Sorry, I'm just I'm just trying trying to get this shared around a little bit. Trying to get the show on the road. Okay, yeah, so for some reason I'm having a rough time getting my computer to work tonight properly. So, so the short answer is yes. Christians should vote anytime you are offered an opportunity to take part in in uh, the legislation uh, legislative process uh, by electing officials. You should absolutely do so, uh, and you got to remember that. Uh, your vote is important because it is going to try to be canceled out by two to three dead people on the other side of the aisle every time you show up <laughs> at the uh, at the voting booth. So make sure that you get out there and uh, and cast your vote. And I would suggest to everybody that you don't mail it in this year. Uh, I don't know how many stories everyone's seen, but it's kind of like the new funny joke going around about how. Um, you know, the post office just opens up the back of their truck and is just pitching mail out the back as they drive down the country roads because so so that's just fake news. That isn't happening yeah. anywhere. You know, the funniest thing, Caleb, we can't verify that. I constantly, every, every single story I see is all these uh, ballots being found by Republicans being thrown in dumpsters. And I hear that the Democrats are blaming Trump for voter fraud. <laughs> 
think he's that bad at voter fraud that he's throwing out his, you know, his own ballots? I mean, come on, you know, just give me a break. But uh, it, it doesn't matter. Okay, so I'm going to get right into the controversial one. And I'm going to say, okay, should a Christian be a Republican or a Democrat? Caleb, what's your what's your idea oh, on that? So Come on, this is the cool thing. We are reason. we are not a we are not a five hundred one nonprofit religious organization here, so yep. we can go on here and say we whatever can we say want. Say whatever we want. Government yep. can't come back to get us. I That's actually right. met, I thought about texting you earlier and asking, "Hey, are, are you going to go on here and endorse political candidates tonight?" Yes, yes, so, I am. Vote Donald here is, Trump. Here Vote is for Donald Trump. Period. Oh man. So here is the um, interesting I'll put thing up about my hat. this. If, you want me to get my hat? I'll get my hat. Please don't. It's right there. You can zoom in on it and let people see. <laughs> oh, um, so anyways, right now is kind of an exciting time to be alive in American politics because you don't need a complex Christian voter guide to figure out which platform to support. Yeah, <laughs> because you if you if you take well a lot of christians um a lot of christians are are single issue voters they'll vote specifically Mm -hmm. on abortion because it's the most egregious um ethical concern for for christians but if you even if you took abortion out of the picture and you took and Mm -hmm. you were to you were to look at any other moral issues that christians are worried about Mm -hmm. um it just happens to be that we have one platform that happens to be on the wrong side of every single issue well almost every single issue. There's a couple that I don't think either of them really care much about. Um, but for the most part, if you go down the list on, on any, on any issue and you have a biblical worldview and, and you're going to vote for Democrats or Republican, all you have to do is see what the platform stands for. We're not talking about whether or not one particular candidate is perfect or another candidate is somewhat flawed. The values that their platform is standing on is just, this, the scales are extremely uneven. Yep, it's not even close. And and just so everyone knows, something I should add in here because I've heard lots of Christians say, "Oh well, you know, I don't like how you know Donald Trump's attitude about this, and I don't like the way that he speaks about that." Well, that's fine. Okay, nobody's telling you to vote him in as pastor of your church. Okay, no one's telling you to vote him in as the president of the HOA in your neighborhood. What we are looking for is the beliefs of a candidate, and we are voting for those. And I hate to tell you, the side of the Democrat Party has been the vote for murdering babies since it began. Okay, that's that's just one. That's just one. It's been the vote of the communist socialist agenda since it began. It used to be the vote for the KKK. It was the vote to keep blacks in slavery. It has not been the vote for the for the uh, principles in the Bible ever, 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 ever. And I'm going to go over another one with you. You ready for this? I've heard people make the claim, oh, well, the Democrats, they're the ones that are compassionate and they love the poor and they're the ones that are giving the money to the poor. No, no, no. You're looking at it all wrong. Okay. They are stealing your money. They take it by force. And then decide okay. what they're going to do with it. Jesus, okay, was about benevolence. 
But Jesus wait, Jesus says, was a socialist, you, wasn't he? <laughs> oh, no, he wasn't. Jesus didn't force your money out of your pockets. He didn't take it and say, if you don't give it to me, I'm going to fine you and I'm going to throw you in jail and then I'm going to do whatever I want with it. Jesus was for benevolence. Jesus was for you out of the kindness of your heart, supporting those who need it. And that's what we should do as Christians. But guess what? When the government comes in and takes so much money out of your pocket that you have none left over, okay, there goes benevolence. We give out of our abundance, not out of our need. Because I hate to tell you, I'm going to pay my mortgage and pay for my groceries before I ever uh, give money to someone that I love that needs it. Because I have a responsibility to take care of my wife and kids, and that never changes. It is only out of our abundance that are, we are able to give and be benevolent. <clears throat> so, go ahead, Caleb. So I think that's, prove I, me wrong. No. So here, here we go. I think it would be cool to actually go over some of these different policy issues that are up for debate in our current election, which it's really, it's really been an extremely bum time for me. I enjoy watching the political process leading up to a presidential election. And this time has just been so ridiculous because I would say, I, I don't think I'd be exaggerating to say 60% of what I've heard in the debates and what I, what I hear people um, talking about right now is how, how, how people do and don't wear masks because of <laughs> coronavirus. It's like last, last go around, they were talking about foreign policy. They were worried about North Korea. The Democrats haven't brought up North Korea once during this whole debate. And they sit around and complain because Trump doesn't stand there like a king and force everybody to wear their masks properly. It's just, it's comical to me. But anyways, um, so you, you touched on this, this issue of redistribution of wealth. Uh, this is looked at as some, some sort of a, a moral, the Democrats are taking the moral, moral high, high ground, ground because they, they have all these filthy rich people that are, are holding more money than they should hold. Mm -hmm. All right. So mm -hmm. this is, I think, uh, I think this uh, as, as a Christian, there, there's, there, there's not a gray area here at all. It's extremely black and white. So if we were just to, to discuss that policy issue just a little bit, um, if, if you, if, if you say that, well, okay, I'm middle-class, so I make what, what, what is the, I don't know what the average income is. Just say for round numbers, somebody makes $75,000 a year and they're upset because there's a, a filthy rich guy that has millions and millions of dollars and he was mm. successful. Get him. Well, there's <clears throat> people out there that are homeless on the streets that make zero. So yep. shouldn't you take your hard-earned cash because you make mm -hmm. more than them? So mm -hmm. proportionally, pr proportionally, you are the, it's just as unequal between you and somebody that has nothing because you mm -hmm. made $75,000. Yeah. So doesn't it seem like the good ethical thing to do is, is to actually not just you give it, but have the government actually come and take it away from you after you mm -hmm. earn it and work for it and go give it to a bum that sits on the street and doesn't work a day in his life because that's more fair. You know what, Caleb? I got a better one for you. That fella that makes $75,000 that's so upset at the system, what he should do is he should march over to that rich guy's house and at gunpoint take his money and then bring it to the bum. Do you see any okay. problem with that? There's the no thing legal is, though, issue there, right? The thing is, is, is that's exactly that? the thing is exactly that's what that's what's going to happen because Correct. only you hire the government to be the thug yes. to go and take it for you. Yep, because if you do it, it's a felony. Okay, so instead, what do we do? We put it to a vote and we vote for the government to do it. So heaven forbid 
that anyone work hard and save and risk their wealth in capital ventures and start a business and employ people and make some money and reinvest it into the company and have it continue to grow. And after years of working hard, they have millions of dollars. Because guess what? As soon as you do that, you got a bullseye on your back and the government's coming for you. Now, I really don't know what this has to do with Christians and politics, but I am enjoying complaining about it. <laughs> that's funny. Uh, that's that reminds me of a song that I heard the other day. It's really cracking me up. Um, it says to me like, "I don't, I don't know why, but I really hate her. I'll think of a reason later." <laughs> Anyways, I don't know why that made me think of it, but yeah, I I always enjoy getting you, Taylor Swift you song. <laughs> Don't think so. Um, anyways, all right. So that's just one aspect of of taxing, as far as the moral justification for raising taxes, so that they can give it to the um to the less fortunate, whatever. So when they borrow from, to me, when when politicians borrow from biblical. Christian values and try to take the moral high ground because they're going to do this. You have to always keep that straight in your mind. As Christians, yes, we should be generous with our money. We should be willing to help the poor, the, the needy. That's not the government's job. The government Correct. is simply established to restrain evil and reward good. That's it. Protect they're not the supposed to, citizens. They're not supposed to be there to um, to to somehow enforce good and benevolence by the people. They're supposed to keep us from doing evil, but we sh they shouldn't force us to do what they think is right. Mm -hmm. um, so that's not as a matter of fact. All. It's no longer benevolence once you are forced to do it. Exactly. So, anyways, then if you go on, if you go on to uh, another issue that's that's a big deal right now with taxes is the corporate taxes, um, which some people some yeah. have, have said that Christians. Why, why would Christians be, be worried about economics in our society as far as business tax structures and stuff like that? That shouldn't really be a moral issue. Okay, so um, you're taking businesses that provide people with the ability to work and, and earn money and have jobs. Mm -hmm. And that's so weird. I just got signed out of Facebook. Um, Christians that are, you have businesses that are giving Christians and non-Christians alike a place to work. And mm -hmm. you take and you strip, you strip a third of the money out of their profits mm -hmm. or half their money or 60% of their money. Some of the Democrat plans have been extreme. Take all of their money if they could. Yeah. And give it, it to people that, give it to people that don't work. Give it away. The thing that people don't realize is, is companies are still going to operate. They're going to businesses. There's going to be entrepreneurs that find a way to make money somewhere. So they just mm -hmm. take their businesses overseas and they run them there. So yep. what we're really doing morally is we're enabling um, ethically questionable labor practices in China. When we raise the taxes on businesses in the U.S. and force businesses to go overseas, they go to China and they mm -hmm. basically get slave labor for peanuts there. Well, let me give you another one, Caleb. <clears throat> OK, so when we raise taxes on these big evil corporations like the evil W, right, big W. Okay, so we raise taxes on Walmart. Okay, does Walmart just take it in the teeth 
And they're like, eh, we make plenty of money. We'll just, you know, lose whatever they raised us in taxes and we just won't make that anymore. Is that what companies do? No. No, they always no, make they way don't. Okay. What they do is they raise the price of milk. That's what they do. Gallon of milk now costs a nickel more. Well, why? Well, to offset the taxes. Guess what? Every single tax, whether it be for a business or whether it be for an individual, falls on the individual. The individual ends up paying for it every single time. And you want to know who is hurt the most when you tax corporations? The poor. Because mm -hmm. guess what? When they raise the cost of a gallon of milk by a dollar, when they raise the cost of fuel, diesel now costs $3 instead of two. Guess what? I'm still going to survive. I'm not going to be happy. I'm going to have less money to do things, but that's not going to ruin me. But you know what? It is going to ruin some families. It's going to ruin poor, single, working mothers. It's really going to take it to them. But that's what happens when you tax to death corporations. They pass the taxes on to the consumer. Okay, those evil oil companies, oh, they're monsters, right? Yeah, do you know how many billions of dollars they put up of their own money in exploration in exploration to try to drill and refine and ship that oil to get it to your gas pump? Do you want to know how much the government makes off of every dollar that gets pumped into your tank? Okay, for every dollar, the government gets no less than 40 cents. 40 cents, they get almost half. <clears throat> of what a gallon of gas cost and how much uh, risk did the government put up? How much skin do they have in the game? None. Okay. The mob was more compassionate and understanding and easier to work with than the federal government is today. Okay. Your local, state, and federal government, you wish that they had the compassion and understanding of your local mob boss back in the 20s and 30s. They are monsters. Okay, so don't think that when you tax the rich and when you tax corporations, okay, that is that's being used to help the little guy. That destroys the little guy. Nobody wants to say that, but that's the truth. Okay, go ahead. Ask oh, okay. me another so, one. Well, I was we got started. I just decided to tackle that subject since you brought it yeah. up. But I would say um, if you were to start, I don't know where, where you'd start if you were to make a list, but I'm just thinking mm -hmm. since obviously abortion is a, is an extremely big hot button topic right now. You start with. The so you brought it life. up. So let's right. start with it. Go with it. OK, so you, you start at the I'll, beginning. I'll, yeah, you have two I'll platforms. play the Democrat. Okay? OK, go ahead. So so you have two platforms and from the beginning of uh, the beginning of life, just to uh -huh. compare a few of the things that they do for us or do uh -huh. to us. Um, you have an unborn baby, which is uh -huh. completely it's not defenseless. A baby. It's not a baby. <laughs> it's just some pregnancy tissue. Not okay. a baby. So that is that should be the most alarming thing to hear. Life from begins somebody. at birth. It's not a life. Okay, so anytime that you, we dehumanize people, that should bring back a bring back a, a red flag. That's exactly what they mm -hmm. said about Jews. They're not people. Oh, why? Because Adolf Hitler and Joseph Stalin said the same things. Is that why? <laughs> you conservatives always go straight to Hitler. <laughs> you guys yeah. are monsters. Yeah. Well, <laughs> just it's funny because woman's well, choice. It's her body, Caleb. Her choice. It's funny that it's funny that you would be a that you would be an Bunch advocate of rich for rich white men. 
It's Trump. funny that you be an advocate for Stalin and Hitler as a Democrat when you when you're always <laughs> saying that Trump's Trump's like it. Trump's like Hitler. Hitler. Anyways, so yeah, you have you have the 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 issue of I think it comes from 100% selfishness on the part of careless parents mm-hmm. or um, in, in some in some situations um, maybe somebody who's a victim. Let's let's take the issue of rape for instance. Okay, there you have somebody that they didn't make a bad choice to get there. They're a victim. Um, mm-hmm. That like that that's that's where oftentimes they get us because they, they say, well, what about when somebody incest or rape? Mm-hmm. Um, so they take the moral high ground here that it's better to kill an innocent life and somehow take out the vengeance that they have toward the sins of the father on the innocent life of the of the unborn child. Um, it the the moral arguments they make for abortion are, are no extremely immoral for abortion <laughs> exactly but they try to play them try to play the the the, the sympathy card on us where they think that they're going to get us because they say well what about these women are you going to force a woman to bring a child to birth it's like no we're not the one that forced it on her it was the rapist yeah. that forced it on her or yeah, it was her and- that in the case of, of just a regular relationship where her and her boyfriend are messing around and they find out they're pregnant, they were yeah. irresponsible. Now they don't, now they want to be selfish and not have the baby. I'm sorry. It's not, it still doesn't make murder. Okay. Yeah. And if I had to answer that question, the answer is simple. Yes. Okay. No one's willing to say that. Yes. You do not get to murder a baby because there was a crime or because there was a mistake or because the condom broke or because you can't wait until you're married or because whatever the answer is. Yes, murder is never okay. Murder is not the solution for, you know, any of your problems. That's not acceptable. We can't murder babies under any circumstances. And you want to know something? You ever hear, oh, the life of the mother. The life of the mother. What what about <clears throat> you know abortion in order to save the life of the mother? That doesn't exist. There's never been a time where murdering a baby will save the mother's life. That literally doesn't exist. The, there are no doctors that will ever say, if we could just murder this baby, then that mom will be just fine. That's and, not how it works. And the thing is, is they always go there with it because it's like, well, what about in the case of, of saving the life of the mother? All right. So there are surgical procedures that they can take in the case that somebody has a, a, a pregnancy that's, I mean, sometimes the, the high, egg, risk. high risk that, pregnancy. Yeah. High risk pregnancies. Something's um, something's wrong inside the mother. The mother, there's a, a risk of the mother dying because of the pregnancy that does happen. And the funny thing is, is one of the one of the big things that they go go to, and this is pretty much the the most popular or one of the most likely scenarios, one of the only scenarios that could happen where abortion is is needed early term where the baby could not be or not abortion is needed, where they argue that abortion is needed um, too early to have the baby born premature, Uh, Mm -hmm. because most of the time they could do a C-section and the baby's the the baby could survive in in a NICU. But Early pregnancy, there sometimes the uh, the fetus or the lump of tissue, like they like to call it, is mm-hmm. implanted outside of the the womb where it's not supposed to be, and they go in and they they do these operations. I can't remember what they call it, but they've gone in and, and they they they're without even trying to save the baby. They'll go in there and they'll they'll cut the tubes or whatever and scrape it out, and um, 
there's there was a mother where they went in and they did this to her and somehow through the process the the baby ended up accidentally making its way into the womb the baby he made it to full term survived was a healthy baby that was on accident and they say, oh, it's medically impossible to try. If they had some incentive other than just aborting the baby every time those things don't look perfect, I'm sure that they could at least try. Maybe they'd fail some of the time. Maybe the baby wouldn't survive. But there's things that they can do to try to save a baby without always just re resorting to, oh, we'll, we'll go for abortion. The reason that they bring this up is, is because they want to stick us in a, in, a, in a spot where we look like the monster because, oh, you don't care about the life of the mother or you, you're, you're, uh, you don't care about a mother that was raped or incest. Um, any, any one of these arguments that I've ever heard have all fallen flat on their face. Morally, I don't think that they have an argument for abortion. It's the most laughable thing that they would ever try it because it's murder. So I don't know if there's anything else on, on the abortion topic. Um, a lot of people would, would, think that, oh, this is just something that's being used by the Republican Party to try to get votes and get Christians worked up about something. And it really doesn't matter because abortion happens anyways, doesn't matter who's in office. Um, and I have I have a verse here for you if, if you're going to um, go to that route. And oh, man, I thought I had it um, and I don't have it. So the Bible says for us to speak up for those that cannot speak for themselves. Uh, or they cannot defend themselves. That's in Proverbs. And I thought I had it pulled up. So here we have Christians that are acting just like um, the Germans did during, during the Holocaust. You had the Nazi regime marching people off to death camps and you had Christians standing by saying, oh, well, we should just stay out of it and not say anything. And I think that's the same thing that's happening right now. We have um, during this podcast so far, we're 45 minutes into it. There's about a, more than one baby per second that dies. So that's 60 babies per minute. If we were to do the math on that, however, however many that'd be, we're, uh, over 200, uh, over 200 abortions since we started this podcast and Christians don't think this is, should be a big issue. I don't believe that the Republican Party is exploiting this as a way to earn our vote. I believe that it should be a very important issue to Christians. And um, the reason that it is important is because the government not only allows it, but sponsors it. And your tax dollars are going to pay for it right now. Planned Parenthood is death camps that are among us in our neighborhoods where innocent lives are being killed and our tax dollars are going to pay for it. So we're being forced to support something that we disagree with. And... Um, the, the argument for needing a Planned Parenthood as women's health care is the most bogus thing. Go down to the convenience store and get a pack of condoms if you need birth control. How expensive is that? I'm sorry. <laughs> there's, there's options other than Planned Parenthood. We don't need our tax dollars going to provide women's health care and killing babies. Yeah, I'll tell you what. You know, the thing to, <clears throat> to remember seriously about this is, um, well, first of all, let me start with this. Okay. The way I see it is if a woman wants uh, an abortion, the way that I think they should uh, do it is they should take the doctor that's going to perform the abortion, the mother, and then the unnamed unknown baby in her womb. And they should each get a slip of paper and, t and write their name down <clears throat> and throw it in a hat. And we pull one of those pieces of paper out and whichever name is on that piece of paper, we kill them. And I think if everyone's okay with that, we start there. 
And then from there, we can figure out a more reasonable way uh, to protect the lives of babies. So <clears throat> the thing you realize, though, remember, Patrick, that doesn't matter if you un if you outlaw abortions, it's still going to happen. It's still going to happen. We just need to provide a safe a safe place to have abortions, right? Because no, it's still going to happen. Even we, if we outlaw it, they're still going to do it, right? What we need to do is start uh, arresting and prosecuting doctors and women who have abortions for premeditated murder. And we need to start executing them, uh, preferably publicly <clears throat> outside of the gate of the city by stoning. And you'll see abortions stop really fast. <clears throat> what you got to remember, folks, is that this whole thing, this is the same as what used to happen in the northern kingdom of ancient Israel uh, and in uh, from the Canaanites and the Philistines when they would worship the god Molech. You go ahead and casually study who Molech was. That was a bronze statue that used to have its arms okay, <clears throat> extended and they would light a fire under it and get that brass red hot and then they would throw infants into it and they would sizzle and crack and pop and burn to death. And they would do that. <clears throat> they would sacrifice babies and they did it to hope and uh, that their nation might uh, be more fertile in the upcoming years, uh, just like they would uh, pile up corn and burn it on an altar when they needed more corn, or they'd pour out water on an altar when they needed rain. Uh, the idea of murdering children is not a new one, <clears throat> uh, but we do need to recognize that it's satanic. That's the best it's ever gonna be. Uh, that's why it's so important that we stop it. God's the giver of life. He's the creator of life. And it is our job to protect life. And that's the thing you got to remember. It has nothing to do with a woman's body. Absolutely nothing. We're not talking about a woman's body. We're talking about a separate body growing inside of a woman's body. And that <clears throat> is the life, the most vulnerable life on planet Earth does not get a voice. It does not have any chance to defend itself. That's why it is so important. It is our job to make sure and protect that life because God had that life created on purpose and God has a plan for that life. And we don't get to just arbitrarily snuff it out. All right. So All right. a couple a couple of last things on, on the abortion issue. And then obviously we should move on because there's a lot more issues and this one gets overly discussed by Christians and the others get ignored. Okay, um, go ahead. So give me another. Well, before we go, I just wanted to bring up two two last points that just really show the hypocrisy of the Democrat platform on this issue. So some people say, well, this is just a debate. It's a, it's definitions. We don't think it's human until it gets to a certain point, maybe when it has a heartbeat, mm -hmm. maybe when it's born, whatever. Sure. Christians have I'll for bring years, Christians have for years said um, heartbeat begins at its conception. I'm going to go to Exodus, mm -hmm. and this is Exodus 21. Genesis, Genesis 16, 11. <laughs> okay, so he's going to Genesis. I'm going to Exodus. Um, if This is uh, Exodus 21, 22. If men fight and hurt a woman with child so that she gives birth, and premature, gives birth prematurely, yet no harm follows, he shall surely be punished according as the woman's husband imposes on him, and he shall pay the judge as the judge determined. And if we go on to, should have pulled this up, 23. Um, but if, 
if any harm follows, then you shall give life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot, burn for burn, wound for wound, stripe for stripe. So this indicates that in, in God's eyes, an unborn child is a human being, and it was eye for an eye, tooth for tooth. There was no less amount of value, didn't matter how old the baby was in the womb. If she was pregnant at all, and the baby gets hurt or is born, pre born prematurely and dies, um, there was supposed to be justice. Um, in the United States, we have a law that's very much based off of this biblical concept. It's called the Unborn Victims of Violent Act. It was passed in 2004. It's a United States law which recognizes an embryo or fetus in, in, the, in the uterus as a legal victim. They are, if they are injured or killed during the commission of any of over 60 listed federal crimes of violence, the law defines child in utero as a member of the species, homo sapiens, at any stage of development who is carried in the womb. So here we have United States law on hand. It'll charge as a double homicide if you kill a, a pregnant mother. At any stage, as if there's a baby in the womb, there's no, there's no, there's actually, as long as, as long as you're not in an abortion facility, the government has no question about this. It's murder. You hurt a mother, yeah. you hurt a child, it's double homicide. If you go into an abortion clinic, it's different. It's a double standard. It's extremely hypocritical. Um, and so those are, those are actually established facts in our legal system and in biblical legal system where it is clear that God defines it and our law here defines it as a human being should be protected and have justice. Um, did you have, what's your other verse that you had there? Oh, <clears throat> the verse I always start with, I bring everyone to Genesis 16, 11, and it says, And the angel of the Lord said unto her, Behold, thou art with child and shall bear a son. That's the first mention where um, the angel came to, uh, oh, what was her name? The mom of Ishmael, Abraham's, Sarah's handmaid. Uh, I don't remember her name all of a sudden. Anyway, back in Genesis 16, you can also find that when Elizabeth was pregnant with John the Baptist and when Mary was pregnant with the Lord Jesus, uh, the same thing was said, uh, thou art with child and shalt bear a son. So whether you believe it's a baby or not, it doesn't matter. Uh, the good Lord says it's a baby. So that's why we're not allowed exactly. to just kill him. Okay. So that's not up for debate. On. It's a Christian. There's nope. no debate there. So I figured yep. if we go to the next phase of life, uh, as far as children, let's let's take a mm -hmm. look at education and the way that the government proposes education. Yeah, we take have, them away from the parents. We have take them a, away, set them aside in a government school of our choice. Okay, we exactly. will take care of your kids. You're not smart enough. And the You're Democrat Party has 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 had intentionally racist policies in place for years as far as the way that they did districting with schools. Mm -hmm. And then they, I mean, you just look over the history. It's not been, it's not been, it's there for a reason. They want to tell you where your child deserves to go to school based off of your income level. Republicans have said, why don't we, and the Trump administration specifically with Betsy DeVos as the education secretary has said, we need to have Parents have real school choice where if they want to send their children to a public school, they can. If they want to send them to mm -hmm. a private school, they get their tax dollars that they've paid in as a school voucher. Because every one of us, when you pay your real estate taxes, you're paying tax mm -hmm. into your school district. Um, and that money, rather than going to the school district, should go to the school that's actually educating your children. Amen. Uh, right now, Patrick is homeschooling his children. I, my kids mm -hmm. are in, in uh, 
private school. And both of us Whoa, are paying Richie taxes. Rich sending his kids to private school. Mr. White Privilege coming at you from Rosebud, well, Texas. We, we paid last year for our children to go to school. This year, there was somebody anonymously that stepped up and was very generous and has paid for our children's ed- education, which is a real blessing. So both Patrick and I are paying taxes to send our children to a public school, and we're not using that money. Somebody else is pocketing that money. Mm-hmm. And we're paying for our, our children's education out of pocket. So mm-hmm. the Trump administration has said you should have choice as to where you send your children to be educated. I believe that this is a black and white, right and wrong issue. I don't think Again, I don't think the government white. should bring it in the racism, Caleb. <laughs> Sorry. At every turn. <laughs> Typical Democrat. Ignore Patrick. All right. The rest of the episode, just ignore Patrick. He's being honored. He said he was going to play the devil, devil's advocate here. I didn't realize he was just going to be the devil. <laughs> Anyways. Um, so on, you take education, for instance. They've taken education. Anytime the government touches anything, they ruin it. And mm-hmm. education has turned into Amen. a... It's turned into an, a propaganda machine for the government to Amen. peddle lies to mm-hmm. our children. Uh, our children are being taught right now that you you cannot know what gender you are. You you mm-hmm. have no idea. Um, I mean, they're they're being t- how many different genders do they tell them that there is? Isn't it like who knows? twenty or sixty or some crazy yeah, thing? Whatever. Yeah. And then we wonder why they come out the other end. and They're confused. Yeah, and then the government wonders why we don't trust them as far as we can throw them. We're like, you guys can't even figure out the difference between little boys and little girls. And can and you, you imagine think that we're supposed to trust you guys to take care of our kids? You guys have shown that you're dumb as rocks. Can you imagine if when our when our grandparents or our age, if somebody would have told them that someday the government is going to be advocating that the, the little boys can go in the little girls room? Oh, man, it's just <laughs> I mean, so- the government is I it. I don't think that you could possibly trust. I could not possibly trust an institution that teaches my kids that they can identify as whatever gender they want. They can go into whichever bathroom they want. And I'm going to send my little girls into an institution that this is how they protect my children. And I'm going to leave them there unattended over my dead body. Is that going to happen? There's no way I'm sending my kids to public school if that's what they're going to teach them. And I'm not saying that, that you can't be a Christian and send your kids to public school. Unfortunately, it's getting to the point that if you're a caring Christian and a caring parent, you're going to have to reconsider your children's education because it's awful. They've been teaching them lies for years as far as any biblical. Came from monkeys. Exactly. Evolution. Y'all came from monkeys. There is no God. You have a common, you are a common descendant of the earthworm. (laughs) Anyways. So on education, I think again, Unfortunately, Democrats are on the wrong side of it. I wish that both parties would just be on the right side of everything. It would be nice. Then yeah. it would be nice if it was so hard to tell because they were all so good. But it's, yeah. it's so it's so clearly awful. All right. Yeah. So what about children in cages coming from Mexico? Talk about immigration for a second. We have mm-hmm. we have two platforms. One that says if is you're that, a good benevolent. That, wait, who is saying that that is an issue that's deciding their vote? I feel like you picked that one out of left field. <laughs> Okay, well, <laughs> immigration is a huge issue with Trump. That's okay. fine. Let's okay, great. Talk about immigration. Okay, uh, it is a little too specific to talk about kids in cages. You want me to okay. take immigration? Okay, I'm going to tell you why immigration into the United States is one of the worst things for the world. Okay, <clears throat> Caleb, when we decide 
that we are going to allow someone from another country to come to America and be an American citizen and live here and move their family here, okay, who do we pick from that country? Do we pick the poor? Do we pick the homeless? Do we pick the down and out that are scraping by working minimum wage right. jobs? Is that who we pick? No. No. Okay, no country picks them. Okay, you pick the talented, the affluent, those with real skills that can be a benefit to our country. Now, is that good for America? Sure it is. Who's it bad for? Right. It's bad for the country they yeah, it's bad right. for the country they came from. Because what we are doing is we are cherry picking the absolute best from every country and saying, hey, come study over here. Oh, okay, great. You're done with your, you know, second doctorate and you you now have a medical license and, and you want to be a brain surgeon over here. Great. You don't have to go home. Okay. That is not helping all the best thing for every country is to have the greatest minds in those countries help their own country. Now, I understand that if we implemented that two generations ago, I would not be here because my grandparents were immigrants. But that doesn't change the fact. When we let people in, we only let in the best. And all that ever does is hurt the countries they're coming from <clears throat> so that they are never able to get ahead. Just wanted to give you a different spin on immigration. Okay. Yeah. So as far as, um, as far as us having some sort of a moral obligation to let anybody and everybody in here mm -hmm. to me is the most ridiculous argument. This is coming from people that have front doors on their house that they lock at yep. night. And yep. we say we, as a country, we can't have a secure border. So I'm just, my, my, my question on this is if you find somebody sneak into your house in the night and they're rooting around mm -hmm. your kitchen, Mm -hmm. Don't you think that they should expect at the very, very kindest thing that you could do to them would be to tell them, get out and never come back? Doesn't that seem like that could be the very kindest thing that they could expect from you? I mean, I would nope. expect to get shot if I was in somebody's house rummaging through nope. their kitchen at night. I would expect. Nope. nope. You should make up a bed for them. <laughs> exactly. Okay. Put some new sheets on in the guest room. You have a new roommate. They snuck into your house. Now that they're there, you're stuck with them, Caleb. So what they happens, to live there what happens when to everybody else away. hears that, that, that you can heartless. go to this guy's house? You are a monster. You are heartless and you are a monster. So now you'll have you'll have 10 more of them behind that. And behind that, you'll have another 10 more because you can go move more in. And this guy will feed you. <laughs> exactly. Who are those people, Caleb? Who, do you, who are you calling those people? I, I think our listeners would like to know the answer to that question. You racist monster. Hitler. Hitler. Anyways. <laughs> so thanks for thanks for giving the other side of the argument. We have to be fair to the Democrats here. Uh, to me, yeah, there's no there's and, no and question really, about it that it's hypocritical on their part. When all of them are protected by protected by I, walls and borders I, and security. No, give me a minute. I, I'm, I'll be done in uh, a second. All right. I want to say something serious. Okay, I had something okay. serious all right. To say, say something. Say okay. something serious. In all seriousness, I want to apologize for comparing all Democrats to Hitler. If any relatives of Hitler are out there, I did not mean to besmirch that despot 
in such a way, and I, I mean no disrespect to Adolf Hitler and his memory by comparing him to the likes of Nancy Pelosi and the rest of those libtards that are destroying this country. So thank you. Go ahead, Caleb. Please get back to what you were saying. Oh, man, that's funny. So anyways, back to the policy issue on immigration here. They, they try to take the moral high ground by saying that we should let people break in which actually is not a biblical concept. You don't let people mm -hmm. break in and sneak in. Mm -hmm. um, as Christians, we should support honesty and integrity. And when, you reward, when you reward evil, you reward, and, and I know this sounds awful of me to say, oh, these are, you know, these are these poor people that are coming across our border. Most mm -hmm. of them are getting smuggled in here. And the children that are in cages, a lot of these mm -hmm. children are smuggled in here by coyotes or mm -hmm. gangs or whatever. And they're paid to do this. Or they're brought in here, people get here with the, with the children, and they're not even their own children. And that's why they get separated at the border. And, of course, o Obama's the one that put the cages in place. Well, however you hold them, it was necessary to separate them from the, from the adults that were with them because they weren't even the child's parents. They were coming across and using the children as a way. So we're enabling human trafficking when we stand with the Democrats on the border issue. We're enabling human trafficking. And if you're a Christian and you're for human trafficking, you should be ashamed of yourself. Mm -hmm. So there we have it on border security. Democrats are morally on the wrong side of the issue through and through. Um, and they mm -hmm. say that Trump is racist because he wants a wall. That's the biggest load of baloney I've ever heard. Um, we are at the nine o'clock. Uh, point here. So what is one last policy issue we should tackle um, that comes to your mind? Man, I don't know. We're only right, 54 minutes in. Okay. Go ahead. What about foreign policy, for instance? What do you think of Trump's issue with the way that he treats the rest of the world? So we have, we have had a policy where we were the piggy bank and basically mm -hmm. everybody and anybody could take advantage of us. And we thought it was mm -hmm. our moral obligation to be, to be the, um, what, what do you call it? We, we were the benevolent superpower of the world here. We were okay. the people that everybody could, could depend on to bail them out. So we're okay. Yeah, go ahead. I'll give it to you. I'll give you my answer. Okay. Number one, everybody gets reset to zero overnight. Okay. You are reset to zero and you need to prove to us why we need to give you money. Okay. That's number one. Number two, we make a decision to support your country Okay, with aid, okay, with money for programs, with whatever it is. Okay, I don't want to hear one single negative word from any government official in your country about our country. The day we hear one word, you are back to zero and you're in the penalty box for five years. If we're so terrible, you're not getting our money. You got it? Okay, from now on, if we are going to be benevolent and we're going to help your country out, you are going to support us in every single way. You're going to stand shoulder to shoulder with us and you are going to show this crazy concept called loyalty. Okay, those are the first two rules I think we need to implement as far as our foreign policy with aid to different countries. Okay, All right. Patrick, 2024. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> okay. Number three. <clears throat> We're going to stop supporting bad guys. We're done with it. There's no more. We're supporting bad guys because, you know, we we need to have a base there. There needs to be some kind of. OK, we got to stop that. We can no longer be in bed with monsters because they help us fight other monsters. There has to be a moral line with our foreign policy. And there's not. 
It's ridiculous. And I know that makes things difficult. Don't get me wrong. I understand that we really have one solid ally in the Middle East, and it's called Israel. And the reason that we have Saudi Arabia as an ally is because we need to be able to have military bases somewhere close to where all the problems are. So we have allies think- with, with bad you, guys. You don't. You, you mean you don't think that uh, Saudi Arabia is always great? <laughs> oh, my soul. They are a nightmare. It's embarrassing to have them as an ally. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. All right. So so the issue of the, the position that Trump has taken on foreign policy, um, if, if we think that we're going to elect somebody that's sworn in to protect and defend America and to protect mm-hmm. and defend our Constitution, and as soon as that they get into office, that they're going to become the the nice guy for the rest of the world and they're going to take mm-hmm. your tax dollars that you took and next thing you know you find out after the fact that they threw billions of dollars to iran which is the most evil regime in the world mm-hmm. regime however you say that regime i guess i said it all messed keep up going. it's keep one it, of the most evil monstrous places that we could invest our money and our Absolutely. tax dollars got flown over and dropped mm-hmm. off bundles of cash B- to pallets. iran mm-hmm. pallets so how is that how is that somehow moral how is it somehow moral that the government can take money that is supposed to be saved for humanitarian aid um and and we have no say in where that stuff goes all of a sudden we just find out that this money is going here or there there's zero responsibility there most of that money gets intercepted once it gets overseas for humanitarian aid only about Mm -hmm. 30 percent of it actually makes it to the people that that need the money the rest of it gets Mm -hmm. taken into these corrupt governments and it, and it gets intercepted. Even if we take, if we ship a whole boatload of food over there, they take that mm-hmm. food and they, they sell the food. Yep. Um, and so we're working with corrupt governments and somehow the, the Democrats have had it in their mind that we needed to have the world first. And America came in second place and Trump got in there and he, and he said, no, this is here. We are being fiscally irresponsible. And this is one issue that I think both Democrats and Republicans uh, lose my vote on this issue. And that is, we're further and further into debt all the time. And it's disgusting. The way mm-hmm. that we manage our money here is appalling. It's a laughing stock to the world. And don't get me wrong, I'm I'm sure that I'm sure that Trump gets a lot of flack from other world leaders and they probably think that he's a buffoon or whatever, that he says stupid things. But I'll tell you one thing that they know is that he's not joking around when it comes to the economics. Mm-hmm. He's not gonna just he's not just gonna give away money for for free. He's put America first, and everybody everybody somehow thinks that this is a selfish um immoral thing for us to do to put America first. Well, he he was put in as the president of our country to protect our constitution, to protect our, our liberties and freedoms here, not the people of Iran, not the people of Pakistan. We didn't elect him to take care of Palestine. We elected him to take Mm -hmm. care of the United States. It would make sense for him to, in our interest to work with allies that help protect us. There's, there is some reasons there to protect it to protect our, our interest on foreign policy. It does make sense to work with allies, but the, the Democrats have had a, t- a track record of spending more money on adversaries than they have on allies. They, they give money to adversaries. We have, uh, we're political allies with Israel and they, they dump millions of dollars into Palestine and then they shoot rockets back at Israel. Mm-hmm. Um, over and over again, the Democrats have unfortunately taken not even an immoral, but just an extremely foolish stand on foreign policy. And I think Trump has, has 
taken a step back and he's redone some stuff and it's, it has created some tension, but why would we think that we have a leader that should have, how would I, how would I put it? How, how, how would you think that it's moral to vote for a leader that's going to be put in and sworn into office to protect your country? And then they go out, they go out and they have everybody else's best interest in mind. That's mm-hmm. the most ridiculous thing. Okay. So <clears throat> Real quick, I want to just go over a couple highlights here before we sign off because we have been on here for an hour. Okay, uh, President Trump, <clears throat> since he's been in office, lowest unemployment rate for Black Americans in the history of America, lowest unemployment rate for Hispanic Americans in the history of America, lowest unemployment rate for teenagers and the elderly. Okay, <clears throat> this guy moves the capital of or moves our embassy to Jerusalem, supporting our number one ally, showing me that he made one of the biggest moves, okay, for God since uh, I've been alive and following politics. Okay, highest and uh, highest level, strongest economy in the nation's history. In the downturn, When the coronavirus hit and all these cities got lit on fire, his economy dropped all the way down to the former president's high point. Barack Obama, President Obama's high point of his economy, okay, was the low point of President Trump's. For eight years, I remember listening to President Obama tell us that, well, there's just nothing we can do, and this is the new normal, and this is what our economy is going to be, and we just all got to get used to it. President Trump steps into office. He didn't even have to step into office. He just got voted in, and the economy started to take off because they knew what was coming. On the other side, you have a man who has been in Washington as a politician for 50 years. And you're going to look me in the eye and honestly say to me that he's going to fix our country now? Why didn't he fix it over the last 50 years? Why didn't he tell former President Obama all the answers to all the problems? Since now he says he has them all, why didn't we implement them for eight straight years when President Obama was in office? We could have fixed the country because they don't have any. The Democratic party, they run on anti-Trump. That's it. President Trump has plans that he puts in place. He has policies that change this country for the better. The Democrats run on we hate Trump. We're not Trump. Okay. Republicans are judged based on what they produce. Conservatives have always been judged on what they produce. Liberals, for some reason, are allowed to be judged based on what they promise. And their promises don't come true and they fall flat on their face and nothing ever works out because socialism is nonsense. And they try it again and again and again and again. And if you want to find all the worst, most failing cities in America where the government has to prop up everything, they are democratically run uh, heaps of garbage. Okay, you go to Baltimore where they have an average of more than one death per day every year. Okay, I'm pretty sure that's better than Beirut some years. Okay, Chicago is the same way. New Orleans is the same way. Go to any democratically run city. They are a nightmare where they are running off anyone with skills and money who are 
fleeing so that they can get away from the taxes and try to save their money. Okay, if Joe Biden knew anything about solutions to saving this country, he should have implemented them over the last 50 years. But he didn't because all he ever does is run on promises. This time we're going to get it right. This time we're actually going to help people. Nonsense. And if you believe those things, you're a fool. And if you believe that that is better than what you've seen in the last three years, again, you are a fool. I don't care if you're a Christian and you're saved and you're going to heaven. Okay, you are a fool. You will be you will be driving to heaven on the short bus because you are a fool. Okay, Caleb, I, I tried to soften it up there at the end just to make sure we could hold on to some of our listeners. All right, so there's plenty more policy issues that we could go over. Um, and obviously, um, we had Trump's spokesperson on here just letting us know about all of his accomplishments. <laughs> it's good to be reminded of that. I honestly wish that Trump would sometimes touch on new topics when he goes into the debates, but he knows that his accomplishments speak so much for themselves that he keeps telling yep. us the same thing over and over again. <laughs> yeah. So there's... Um, there are plenty more topics that we could get on. I would say you guys mentioned stuff in the com com comments if you have issues on policies or questions on policy and our take on it. Not that our take really matters, but I think it's good for Christians to be able to discuss politics. Um, I wanted to go over one last thing, and this is because if get I it. still happen to have any friends that are watching this, probably a good... Well, I don't even... I'm not even going to guess at the percentage, but a decent percentage of my friends... Um, are in pretty conservative Christian circles that don't vote and um, would not even believe that you could take a side politically. And this comes from some of the history during, um, during some of the Anabaptist movement. And there was uh, persecution by the state church toward the, toward the uh, Anabaptists. So I have a, uh, just a point that I wanted to make to those that believe that it's wrong to even discuss politics, take any side on anything politically, vote, be involved in the political system. Um, and that is, I want to read Acts chapter 16, and I'm going to start at verse 16 and just read a little story here and then um, see if we either condemn Paul as not being a effective Christian in this case, or, or see that he apparently felt like it was okay to take advantage of his rights as a, as a citizen. So Acts 16, verse 16, and it came to pass, as we went to prayer, a certain damsel possessed with the spirit of divination met us, which brought her masters much gain by soothsaying. The same followed Paul and us and cried, saying, these men are the servants of the most high God, which show us under the way of salvation. And this did she many days. But Paul, being grieved, turned and said to the spirit, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out the same hour. And when her masters saw that the hope of their gains was gone. They caught Paul and Silas and drew them into the marketplace under the rulers. And they brought them to the magistrates saying, these men being Jews do exceedingly trouble our city and teach customs, which are not lawful for us to receive, neither to observe being Romans. And the multitude rose up against together against them and the magistrates rent off their clothes and commanded to beat them. And when they had laid many stripes on them, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely who having received such a charge thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in the stocks. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God and the prisoners heard them. And suddenly 
there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bonds bands were loosed. And the keeper of the prison, awakening out of his sleep and seeing the prison doors open, he drew out his sword and would have killed himself, supposing that the prisoners had fled. But Paul cried out with a loud voice, saying, Do thyself no harm, for we are all here. Then he called for a light and sprang in and came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas and brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved, and thy house. And they spake unto him the word of the Lord, and to all that were in the house. And he took them in the same hour of the night and washed their stripes and was baptized, he and all, all his straightway. And when he had brought them into his house, he set, them, set me before them and rejoiced, believing in God with all his house. And when it was day, the magistrates sent the sergeant saying, let, the, let those men go. And the keeper of the prison told, told this saying to Paul, the magistrates have sent to let you go. Now, therefore, depart and go in peace. But Paul said unto them, they have beaten us openly, uncondemned, being Romans, and have cast us into prison. And now they do thrust us out privily. Nay, verily, I let them come themselves and fetch us out. And the servants told these words to the magistrates, and they feared them when they heard that they were Romans. And they came and besought them and, and brought them out and desired them that they would depart out of the city. And when they went out of the prison and entered the house of Lydia, and when all that had seen the brethren, they comforted them and they were departed. So Paul was a jerk here. <laughs> Paul decided to get political and say, hey, I have some rights and I'm going to make a fuss about this. He was already he could have gone free, but he's like, nope, these guys are not going to get away with that. I've got some rights. They violated my rights and they're going to come down here and they're going to tell it to my face. <clears throat> mm -hmm. And this was right after a whole bunch of people got saved and, and Paul baptized a bunch of people. So obviously their testimony was God was working through them. They were, I, I believe, legitimate Christians. Another time Paul appeared to Caesar. Um, he was not afraid to, and these are, these are talking about Paul uh, appealing to the government for his personal rights and his personal liberties. He was not standing up for anybody else's rights in this situation. It was his own rights. Now, some could argue that he was standing up for making a precedent for other Roman citizen Christians, and that could possibly be the case. But in the case of many issues that are facing Christians, specifically abortion, we're simply asking Christians to step out and take a stand for somebody that can't defend themselves. We're not even saying you have to go and make a fuss politically over your own rights. We're saying to stand up for the unborn, which is a biblical concept. And to me, the idea that because of the idea of loving your loving your uh, enemies and, and praying for those that persecute you and some of those biblical concepts that somehow we cannot take any side. Um, yes, we're separate from the government. Yes, we pay our taxes to Caesar and we're not of this world. We are a king. We're of a kingdom that's not of this world. It's not a monarchy here right now. We Our vote does count. We do get some say in this. We're not being persecuted religiously right now. And that could happen as soon as we want it to. As soon as we leave the vote to people that don't have a moral compass, um, we see what's happening right now. 15 million Christians are not registered to vote. Um, and votes are decided on a lot smaller margin than 15 million votes. There's a lot of Christians that are sitting on the wayside and they're letting, the, they're letting people that have no moral compass decide the moral future of our country. And that's why we see the whole thing going down the toilet. So that's my little rant at the end. If you don't believe that you can vote, I'd read the Bible again and, and see if you think Paul would agree with you on that. I don't believe so. Okay. So that's it. We're 11 minutes over our hour. Thank you, everyone, for joining. Thank you, everyone, for joining us. Please join us next week as we talk about Halloween. Oh, that's um, going to be a good one. <laughs> yeah, spoiler alert. 
I'm against it. So if you didn't see that one coming, then you haven't been paying attention. But I'll have just a ton of information as to why. I've also put out um, several videos on Halloween with all this information. So I'll put those that post up in the comments so everyone can watch that and kind of get an idea of, you know, the reasons why and some background information on it. And with that, uh, we are no longer doing this on Friday nights. We are now doing it on uh, Sundays. So uh, what I'm going to say to you as we leave, uh, Caleb, is Shavua Tov, which means good week. I so, see. <laughs> yep. So that's what you, you learn, say. You learn something. You learn something new every day. There you go. Well, y'all right, get get out and and vote if if you haven't already. Early voting is already on. Get out and vote. I am going to. I'm not a registered Republican, um, but mm -hmm. I will be voting up and down the ballot, uh, red all the way, with the exception of one local Republican sheriff that's involved in mm -hmm. some problems here right now that I won't be voting for. Um, but anyways, yeah, I think up and down the ballot, we have two platforms. One is supporting um, things that Christians should support morally and the other one is not. So if, mm -hmm. if you don't have a voter guide, you don't research your your um, local politicians, I would say at least at the top of the ticket, it's pretty clear. Um, mm -hmm. Even though you may not like Trump, I personally don't. I think he's kind of a jerk sometimes, but also I, I will be voting for him. So. And I, mm. and I think I can do so in a clear conscience. I voted for him in the last election and I can't say I, that I, it was, it was a good night. I walked away from the ballot box feeling like I had done that really good thing. It was so fun to watch. It was so fun to watch everything turn red and all of my friends that didn't, that didn't vote and sit around belly aching all the time about politics. It's, yeah. it's kind of, <laughs> it, it cracks me up. I'm like, you know, if you didn't vote, you don't have a right. To, you don't have a right to complain. So anyways, if you've been complaining about uh, what you see going on in the world, get out and vote. Do something about it. All right. Have a good night. Okay, everyone. Thank you. Have a good night.